I'm Paul McGurabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore, presenting my latest Many Screens Big Picture podcast. This time, I'm speaking with Eric Francisco. He's the Senior Entertainment Reporter at Inverse, and he's a gentleman who really loves film. He knows this business, but he's a film fan. And he and I sat down about a month ago to talk about the 10-year anniversary of the debut of Marvel's The Avengers in movie theaters. So take a listen as we talk about this movie, the importance of it, and how important this watershed moment was for Hollywood. Enjoy. We're here, of course, talking about this movie that came out when this article runs. It'll be 10 years ago, uh, Marvel's The Avengers, this yeah. billion-dollar hit. Let's acknowledge that superhero movies spent, you know, maybe 20 years before The Avengers already on the up and up. But it feels like after The Avengers came out in May 2012, we kind of woke up in a new world where Hollywood was different. And we've been riding on that momentum ever since. Don't know if you agree or disagree with that. I uh, absolutely agree with that. I mean, if you go back to May 4th, 2012, Marvel's The Avengers, which was the actual full title of the movie, had an opening day gross of $80.8 million, an opening weekend gross of $207.4 million, and then the film went on to earn $1.5 billion worldwide, $623 million of that in North America alone. Ticket prices were a little lower then, of course, but that was a movie that had everyone excited, and the movie was really good. So that's that for me is the X factor with all these films. If you have a movie, it can have the pedigree, it can have the mythology, it can have the momentum and the excitement building over the course of the run up to its release in theaters. But if the movie doesn't deliver, you can have a great opening weekend, maybe a great opening week, but you're not going to get the kind of numbers that get you don't get to a billion dollars, generally speaking, although there are some exceptions without having a really, really good movie that audiences love. Critics also were on board with this movie. And remember, the the first step in this journey, the first Avengers movie, had it misstepped, there may not have been a continued journey along this path. So it's that first movie, you got to make it big. Otherwise, it could be the end before you even really get started. Yes, I'd like to stress that point just a little bit. Marvel was Marvel Studios specifically, with a brief partnership with Paramount, they were kind of experimenting in real time. They were still producing these standalone solo movies that had like these little bits of connecting threads. And then it all culminated in The Avengers, which the Thanos teaser at the end aside, it was a finale. Like that movie could have been very much a finale. Yes. So can we just dwell on that point for just a little bit? In what ways could have Avengers been the last Marvel movie of this experiment? If it hadn't done well, they could have wrapped it up in a nice bow and said, well, here it is. It's done. Right. But the ability of the writers and the creative teams to turn what could be an ending into a beginning or go back in time or switch up the timeline in that way or take characters in a different direction. And remember, it's ostensibly sci-fi. So there are no rules. There's no time-space continuum. There's no gravity that has to be or oxygen that uh, levels that have to be adhered to. You can literally do whatever you want. So the sky's the limit. Sometimes I think with either original installments uh, that don't do well, maybe there's a thought process that is that let's make this wrap up in a nice bow, wrap it up, you know, very nicely because we don't get another shot. It'll feel incomplete. Even if it's not a success, still want to have a, a movie that's coherent, makes sense and has some sort of momentum just by itself. Uh, but this, I mean, look, it, everything worked out perfectly for the film and Marvel has had a bit of a charmed life in terms of the franchise 
franchise being very successful. You considering the multi-billions of dollars created, especially by, by the MCU. And I think we're now at over 20 billion worldwide for the films just for the MCU. In fact, it's more than that, but it, we're talking about multi-billions of dollars. We it's wouldn't- nation's fortune, yeah. It's yeah, it, it, I mean, it is. And you wouldn't have the kind of success uh, had for Marvel in general. I mean, let's just break it down. Endgame, 2.8 billion worldwide. Infinity War, 2 billion worldwide. Uh, Marvel's The Avengers, the, the first one, of course, 1.5. And then I skipped a timeline there, but then Age of Ultron, a 1.4 billion. So we're looking at three, four, five, six, six and a half, seven, almost $8 billion just for those four Avengers movies. You back that out of the equation. You don't, you still have a super brand and a super overall Marvel MCU franchise, but this is like the cornerstone, the linchpin, whatever, you know, whatever term you want to use in terms of Marvel. Let's look at a time before Marvel, really. Strictly speaking, we'll, we'll take into account 2008 2009 2010 which is when the marvel movie started coming out but yeah. for the most part like again the whole this, the whole thesis of this article hinges on the fact that avengers really made things more severe so before may 4 2012 on may 3 2012 what did success in hollywood look like we go back okay you you have to go back really to jurassic park <laughs> i remember when that movie uh was first released and became this juggernaut or if you want to go before then you could go back to the star wars for star wars movies and indiana jones i mean the the time-honored tradition of the franchise movie and the big franchises goes back quite a long way but if you're talking about pre-2008 i mean look you had spider-man movies before then you had in 2002 you had spider-man the first one with toby mcguire that was the first film to open ever with over 100 million in North America. I remember it well. It's pretty incredible if you look at from 1997 on, it was all about getting that $100 million weekend. And then when you get to Marvel's The Avengers, then we're getting into $200 million territory. And then that becomes the benchmark. And then, of course, Endgame completely obliterated all that with, a, as I recall, $357 million debut in North America alone. And honestly, we couldn't even fathom that kind of opening weekend, $357.1 million in 2019 on Endgame because they ran theaters around the clock. They added showtimes. With digital projection, they could add screens. Of course, Marvel bent the universe to its will and made the impossible possible with that huge debut. So obviously, without Marvel's The Avengers in 2012, you wouldn't have Endgame in 2019 breaking the all-time opening weekend record. Uh, yeah. I think about a time when a movie like Jerry Maguire, an adult drama about a sports agent, that was considered a blockbuster because of however yeah. many grossed. In what ways specifically did the Avengers in 2012 uh, normalize just, the benchmarks? Um, yeah, I think it, it changed the rules. It raised the bar. It created in the minds of analysts and, and fans and others this idea that if you don't have a $200 million opening, opening, by the way, and if you think back, Jerry Maguire, big hit, but certainly not a $200 million opener. And for a movie like Seven, I recall when that movie eclipsed the $100 million mark overall in North America, total life lifetime gross, that was a big deal. So how we measure success, though, is kind of on a sliding scale, depending on the type of movie. I don't think anyone would hold an, an adult drama or even a, like, for instance, a James Bond movie to the standard of what has now become the Marvel, especially the MCU and under Disney's tutelage, the, that kind of Marvel debut expectation for opening weekend, though. I don't know that that endgame number, that's going to be a long 
running a longstanding record unless ticket prices eventually go so high that through the sheer inflation, <laughs> some other movie is able to have a $350 million plus opening in North America. It's just staggering. But again, all the other movies before it set the stage and it being called Endgame and being the end, so to speak, it was it had that must-see vibe going for it. And it was a really good movie. All of them are very, very good movies. And that's the thing. That, and you could argue some of the Avengers movies Movies. Two of them may be better than the other two, whatever. It doesn't matter. The fact is, is that people really, once they were on that train, the Avengers train, they were not going to get off that train and leave, for example, that weren't as good of reviews or as strong as audience sentiment, let's say on social media. Just once you're locked into that, you're not leaving. And look at Morbius, got pretty terrible reviews yet. You know, at 39 million, that was pretty solid, really, because for Marvel fans, you're not going to sit it out. You're still going to go to, and and the audience score was much higher than the critics drubbing, which the critics did not like this movie at all. But that's where sometimes there's that disconnect. But it's still always better to have great reviews, great audience sentiment, that fan strength there, that fan appeal uh, for any given movie. So, I mean, we got to give Morbius a little bit of a break. I mean, it's not Spider-Man. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I'm that, sure, that's I'm a sure they wish it was Spider-Man. But uh... Oh, yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. And look, you wouldn't have uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which posted the biggest opening weekend of the pandemic era with $261 million or 260 in its opening weekend. And that's the second biggest opening weekend of all time behind only Avengers Endgame at 357. And that's during a pandemic. Spider-Man No Way Home was able to do that. Uh, something you were you alluded to before when, when we were uh, like maybe 10 minutes ago, we're yeah. talking about um, like the great innovation of the Avengers was that it was not preceded by Avengers 1, 2, 3, 4. It is, um, it is its own movie, but it yeah. had these other prelude movies going into it. The other franchises you mentioned before have been just sequential sequels. Right. Star Wars 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Harry Potter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So can you just talk about how, gosh, yeah. how the Avengers maybe proved Marvel right in terms of it? It did. Example? It did prove Marvel right because they, they looked at the great characters that they had in their own standalone movies or standalone movies that were in and of themselves their own franchises and found a way to bring them all together. Now, of course, this has been done in the in the comic world many times before, obviously Justice League, and there's other instances of bringing together many disparate superheroes. Look at Suicide Squad, too. I mean, just bringing together all these different elements, these different characters into one shared movie, if not universe. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that in a sense, Fantastic Beasts is a way to keep the Harry Potter train going. I keep using that analogy, but it's true because they, they just keep marching on with that. But yeah, it, it was very different. It, it was Spider-Man did it. No, no Way Home did in a really unique way. They brought together not only the new Spider-Man, but were able to put him with the other Spider-Man that came before. So there's all, I think what audiences really love is seeing sort of the greatest hits of, of the characters that they love all in one place, as long as the movie's good. And it's not just a novelty or a gimmick to get people, oh, all these people in the same movie. I, I think that if it's authentic and true and it's really well-written in a great movie, it can do that. But it also opens the door for other, it sets the stage and shows that this kind of uh, cross-character interplay and bringing all those characters together can work. But not always. I mean, look at other movies that have tried to bring, I, I mentioned one earlier, where the, the response wasn't that great, even though, and then you have Batman versus Superman. I mean, it's just always 
somebody with somebody, one character with another. But sometimes that creates the greatest alchemy, the greatest movies ever. Other times it falls flat. You just never know. But Marvel has a consistency in doing these types of innovative ways of developing the plot and creating a whole universe out of it. They have really cracked the code on that in quite an amazing way. But I do think going forward, it can't just be continual over and over sequels. I think the creativity that was shown in a movie like Logan, Deadpool, Joker, that's the kind of stuff that I think is truly exciting. If you're tangential to a a superhero story or characters and you build something really cool out of it, even if it's twice removed, but somehow has a tie, like Joker always has a tie to Batman. And Logan, unfortunately, is that character uh, saw his end in such a brilliant way in that movie, Logan. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds. And then even I think more importantly is the synergies between the big screen Marvel and small screen. If you didn't have Avengers, you probably wouldn't have Disney plus going all in on all these uh, combined universes, but bringing together kind of tying in the big screen movies to small screen and having Loki have a series, but also on the big screen, you've got Dr. Strange coming up. The, the sky's the limit now because you can't really necessarily make a hundred million plus budgeted superhero action extravaganza every six months. So the way to bridge that gap and keep the audience interested is to have a lot of great Marvel, let's say related content on the small screen. Can you comment or can you offer any observances about how serious Hollywood got towards IP more than anything when it came after the Avengers? Yeah. And I, I think that's both a good and a bad thing. <laughs> I think IP is important. The fact that, you know, this intellectual property, meaning the brand or whatever it may be is paramount rules over everything else. So in a way, we've seen movie stars, the bright light that is the movie star kind of get dimmed a little bit under the weight of the IP that anyone can play any of these characters. If it's a big iconic character, although you could argue that back and forth, but the fact is IP makes studios feel safer. The risk aversion that studios have is understandable, but when when they go away from that often, you find the best success. So look at Joker on paper, no way would you think that was a billion dollar movie, a studio. I got to give kudos for the, you know, Warners for greenlighting that and to the filmmakers, uh, Todd Phillips, especially for making that happen. But it's definitely a different world now where IP, it, it's kind of a sad thing when IP is king. I mean, back when The Godfather, The Exorcist, uh, Star Wars, Jaws, and many of those based on novels, the IP was, let's say, the novel or that people had heard about it. There was no social media It was a completely different world. The dynamics were different. The uh, focus was different. And of course, it was a completely different world. And now the focus on IP, IP just sounds sterile to me. And I feel like anytime that's the emphasis, not originality, great characters, great script, directing, acting, producing, when all that is kind of secondary to the IP, then you can wind up with movies that look like they were made in a factory and not by human beings who love movies and care about the characters. Would you agree that the Avengers improving Marvel, right? That IP did become the more important thing in Hollywood. It did, but was it it the Avengers or was there? Well, I don't know if it was the Avengers per se. I think that before that was X-Men and right after that, the first Spider-Man movie, I think we've been going in the direction of focusing on IP. We just didn't know what to call it. And by calling it out and by identifying it, it makes it more of a thing that is real. And again, if you're an accountant looking at the numbers, you have to say, well, if we go with non-original IP, meaning something we already know, it's a safer bet. 
look, Morbius didn't do that well, according to what some people said. I think the number was fine and the reviews were terrible, but at least they didn't give us a cookie cutter, whether you like the movie or not, to go out there with Morbius. I mean, that's a very obscure character. You ask the average person on the street, they may not even know who that is. So do you want originality or not? Now, I know we want originality, but we want a really good movie. That's always the the best outcome. But let's say a studio swings for the fences, puts Jared Leto in a lead role with a very unconventional character. I applaud that. And I think they think they will likely green light a Morbius too, because if enough people in the audience seem to like the movie, definitely more than the critics, if they keep the budgets in line, why not give the movie a second chance? They used to give TV shows that failed in their first season or first few episodes, they'd often let them keep going because maybe you could tweak a little bit and get people on board. Sometimes not, but I like seeing that kind of risk taking in Hollywood, although some would argue Morbius isn't a risk, but I, I think it is. It's Again, it's not Spider-Man. Spider-Man is not a risk in the sense of people know and love, they'll line up to see Spider-Man no matter what. But the good news is the movies have been really good. In what ways did the Avengers force movies other types of movies to vanish from specifically theaters because suddenly theaters. Wow. You're going to put that all on the Avengers, huh? <laughs> I I mean, <laughs> well, it's the blockbusterfication of Hollywood. That was, you know, Avengers was another stepping, st a big stepping stone in that. No question about it. Wasn't the stepping stone, right? It, was it wasn't the, but it was another path on the road to the blockbusterfication of Hollywood. And you're right. A lot of genres that were very popular, went away, some because they were awful, like most rom-coms back in the day were awful. <laughs> I won't name them. There were some really good raunchy comedies, though, that I thought were really good that kind of twisted that genre. And then the mid-tier movie got kind of pushed out, too. And now with the pandemic for a while, keeping a lot of more mature viewers perhaps out of the theater, the films that were mid-budget aimed at people over 30 or 40 years old just haven't generally done well, but I think they're going to come back as that audience comes back to theaters. But I think the definitely Avengers was, um, look, if we, again, didn't have the billions of dollars generated by those four Avengers films, it might be a different world because that kind of impact is huge. Just the sheer number of people who saw that movie in a theater, let alone on home video broadcasts, wherever else, or, you know, on the streaming services or Disney plus, of course, wherever they may find it. The, uh, the long lasting impact is there. It, I don't think you can ever put that genie back in the bottle. I think we're on that road, but hopefully there will be more films like Joker, like Logan, even like Deadpool, that at least if you're going to maintain this IP, do something fun with it. Don't just do the same thing and play it safe all the time. So that's what I'd like to see. The other thing that uh, Avengers did that, uh, again, I, I'm not blaming everything on, on <laughs> Avengers, but but I mean, like, like the Avengers proved Marvel right in a lot of regards. And, and another thing that Marvel was proven right on was the, the diminished importance of the movie star. So when you think, when you break down the cast of the Avengers, obviously they're yeah. big names now, but Robert yeah. Downey Jr., when he was cast as Iron Man in 2008, he was considered a risk because he was That's right. from his uh, from his troubled past and he he was not a bankable movie star at the time. Yep. Uh, Chris Evans was a, he was barely in a couple comedies, but uh, yeah. he was in another Marvel movie before that that didn't exactly like the world on fire. We're talking uh, Mark Ruffalo was cast for the movies. Whole other thing there. Chris Hemsworth literally in 2009 was called a nobody by Vulture when Vulture announced, well, reported the casting of Chris Hemsworth. He proved he was, them wrong, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like these guys became stars after. That's moment. true. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., I think, you know how earlier I said that 
sometimes these characters are interchangeable with different actors or actors are interchangeable with these characters. But Robert Downey Jr., that's an example where he's the only Iron Man I can even imagine unless they go, you know, origin story and there's some younger actor, which they kind of did that with the de-aging process in one of the films. But I think Avengers both made movie stars out of the cast, but also in some ways made the movie star less important than the movie. And it depends on the on the character too. I can't imagine anyone else playing Thor because of the sheer physicality of it and Chris Hemsworth, what he brings to it. And so some people really put their indelible stamp on these characters. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that because maybe they just ushered in a new kind of movie star, one that's inextricably linked to the film or the character they're in. And then for some of these actors, even some of the bigger stars when they did other movies other than the Marvel films, they didn't do well. And so there was this thought, oh, if you put this actor who was in one of the Marvel movies in another movie, of course, all those fans are going to show up for that movie. Guess what? It doesn't work that way. Uh, uh, Paul, just to put a finer point on it, obviously the Avengers is not responsible for everything that happened in Hollywood afterwards. Right. But what it did was that we can arguably say that it gave Marvel permission to keep on going. Because if that movie just didn't, succeeding the way it did, I don't think Marvel Studios would be as much of a force as it is now. I have to agree. I mean, that was a powerhouse move on their part. Had it failed, we'd be looking at a different Marvel, although I think the tenacity of that brand and the people behind it will always somehow bend it to its will to be a success or bend us to their will. And uh, they've even changed the release calendar on us, making summer start in late April instead of early May. And so, yeah, kind of the sky's the limit there, but the Avengers set them on a new path, kind of turbocharge or supercharge the power that Marvel had and that brand. And then once the audience was on board worldwide, there's no stopping that. But it has to evolve too. If you could just keep doing the same thing, I think audiences do catch up with that. And the comic book fans, superhero fans are very smart fans. The people who know this world way better than I do, and I know you know it better than I do, full respect to those who understand and are passionate about their comic book heroes, their superheroes, and all that goes along with that. And the filmmakers should be set to a very high standard by those fans who can make or break your movie, both at the box office and on social media. Paul, what makes you think I'm a comic book fan with all my comic books? I know, here? dude, I'm checking that out. I love it. Love that background. So it's great. Uh, I Something I, did, I also want to bring up very quickly is that after the Avengers, obviously Hollywood at large started pursuing not just IPs, but the shared universe concept. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen rivals rise and fall, and we've seen unexpected competitors in that space. We've yeah. seen some, some of the most noteworthy competitors that I need to bring up are Fast and Furious. They retroactively became that yeah. competitor. Star Wars retroactively also. Yeah. The Conjuring movies became a, a Sure. Shooter. Yeah, that's a great example. The Riverdale TV franchise, like that has spawned a universe. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, DC has been very, very successful in their own ways, but to say that it's been the same as Marvel is, I, yeah, I guess right. we can agree that it's not been the same. So right. can I just ask you very quickly, just in what ways did, when it comes to Hollywood shifting towards this shared universe premise, uh, what well, do you make of the fact that like a lot of most successful ones are not the ones you would expect? That's the whole thing of it, right? That it used to be every studio wanted a franchise like a linear franchise, like a one, two, three, four, up to Die Hard 10 or whatever it might be. And now it's like every studio doesn't just want a franchise, they want a universe. And so I think by finding a universe or a multiverse is often mind boggling to do that because you could argue is, is Joker 
really part of the Batman universe? Well, yeah, but in that context of that particular Joker movie, it was so different. It just... It, it was totally, in my mind, a standalone movie, one of the most brilliant movies, and one of the riskiest choices by a studio and filmmakers of the last 20 years or so. So I think what's changing is hopefully by having a universe and the unfettered freedom that creatively provides that being locked into the traditional modes of thought and the way of creating these long-term stories isn't just linear and expected, but that you can jump all around and then find all these interesting characters, these side characters that are on the sidelines, because you can't just do the Mount Rushmore of the, the top three superheroes and you can fill in the blanks. There are four and just do that. This opens a whole new world, also creates a lot of opportunity for really diverse characters to come in on the scene instead of just these main characters. And I think that's really good. And that also gives these films a greater global reach. And I think a, a much more societal resonance. For do, you sure. ever take, do you ever take us to why Marvel's success hasn't been repeated? Uh, like, I think that's the critical difference for a lot Lightning of in a bottle, try and catch that twice. I mean, it's yeah. just, they've, I think it's because at the heart of it, the creatives are given a lot of freedom and the creatives who are there are fully committed to authentic storytelling and not just to trying to click, you know, check the boxes, I should say, on whatever demographics they think they need to get, how much box office they need to earn, what is the profitability market? I mean, all the, the really dry, non-emotional stuff has to be there. I mean, yeah, it's a business, show business, but Marvel has just done an absolutely brilliant job of really staying the course creatively and rarely misstepping. It's really about mm -hmm. consistency. That's, that's really what it's about. Because if they didn't have that, they wouldn't have 20, 30 billion in worldwide box office. There wouldn't be all these shows and spinoffs. The brand would be dead in the water. There's countless brands that we don't even know about that maybe had aspirations to do what Marvel did and never got off the ground. We'll never know. So, And there's going to be new ones in the future that Marvel will inspire. Say, hey, look, if Marvel can do it, we can do it. But good luck with that. I admire anyone. It doesn't mean it can't be done again. But in this exact way, at this exact time, in the way that it happened, in the evolution of Marvel, I don't know, man. That's a... That's kind of a once in a millennium uh, type of event. Paul, any uh, party, parting words when it comes to the Avengers? This is a movie that came out 10 years ago. And, yeah. And it really, we can pick apart yeah. whether or not it really did change the Hollywood, but it at least, you know, gave Marvel the power to keep on going. Absolutely. Well, dude, I can't believe it's 10 years. I can't. That's <laughs> my main takeaway. Where where did those 10 years go? I was in college <laughs> when that movie came out. And look at me now. I'm a weird ass 30 year old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was 50 when that movie came out. So, but yeah, it was quite astounding. I think it's great, man. Why not? We're talking about it now. Yeah. That's the big takeaway. If it didn't mean anything, we and we, you and I both love film and there's no denying that. And that's why we're talking about it. We're passionate. Paul, i got no more further questions. I want to thank you for your time. You've spent more time than I, than I thought. We would. Oh, I could keep going, Eric. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you.